exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Rinku and I will be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan right to my left. How you doing, Megan? Good. The weekend was way too short for me. Yes, every weekend is way too short. It's ridiculous how fast these weekends go by, and it was brutally cold this weekend. Oh my gosh, what was it? Got down to I think wind chill and everything. It got into the negatives. I know yeah. that for sure. That's why I try to stay inside as much as possible and watch some movies. <laughs> Just <laughs> took it easy. Right. But um, we do have a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to talk about the the Spartan woes that are still going on. Talk a little NFL playoffs, Red Wings, Pistons, little uh, Tiger news for you, and uh, as always, the interesting facts at the end of the hour. So. Let's kick the show off, and we will definitely be starting with the Michigan State Spartans. The Spartans played two games last week. They played against Illinois on Tuesday, and they lost 71-62. Then they played on Saturday. They played Purdue with the Boilermakers, and they lost by 10. I believe it was 86-76. Now, Megan, before we really start dissecting all this, mm-hmm. let's talk about what, how we think this team's gonna go forward from here. They're 12 and 7 right now, 4 and 3 in the Big Ten. We got two big games again coming up this week. Thursday, we're gonna be playing Michigan. Michigan's gonna be coming to the Breslin, and then Indiana will be coming to the Breslin on Sunday. Alright, this team is now 25th in the AP, and they've fallen out of the coaches' poll. We're barely in the top 25, barely in, only 97 votes. Okay, what do you see this team? I mean, what do you see coming forward? <sighs> I mean, I need to pull up their schedule and look at it in just a sec. But um, oh yeah, uh, what I've seen so far from them is they're not the team that they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched. I actually missed the Purdue game, but I did watch the um, Illinois game. Same with me. Yep. And um, it was. I came running out of my room and I'm like, dang it, my roommate's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, they lost again. I was so upset. And it's just, I'm just not seeing them improving on the things that they should be. Um, like. They're still having a problem with getting down low. Like, oh, that's, huge problem. That's like that's one of the biggest biggest issues they're having lately. Um, working together as a team, you know, it's just they're not they're not meshing like we thought they'd all be doing. Um, they're just kind of doing their own thing, you know. Like Kaylin, Lucius, and Appling are still throwing up their three pointer like jump shots and stuff like that. Yeah, Lucius is shooting horribly this season. Exactly, and it's just they just need to. That's just like one of the biggest things they need to improve on. But looking forward into the season, I mean. <laughs> If they don't, if they don't start improving on what they need to, I don't see them getting much better. I honestly, one of the big reasons I think they're still ranked is because a lot of people don't want to believe that they're as bad as they actually are. Yeah, I mean, I think that is uh, that's a little part of it, and um, they've also. To give them some credit, they do have a tough schedule, okay? Mm-hmm. They do have a tough strength of schedule, and I think that is something the voters do look at. You look at UConn, they're ranked in the top 10. You know, Duke still, obviously, Syracuse, Texas, all teams in the top 10 that, you know, we've lost to, obviously. Uh, you can also, obviously, you know, look at other teams like Illinois, Purdue as well, and, you know, Illinois is ranked 20th. Purdue's right there in the top 15. Uh, you know, we have lost to a lot of good teams, but we haven't beat, you know, we haven't beat a good team. And I think that's the problem. You look at all these. Oh, we almost won this one. We played this one decent, but they haven't had a they haven't had a sound win yet. Um, I guess you could maybe argue their best win came against Minnesota on New Year's Eve, and they were still even down six at the half in that game, only putting up twenty two points. The thing with them is they're losing by minimal margins. Mm-hmm. They can't find the way to pull through. And even the games, a lot of these games shouldn't even have been as close as you know they should have. Like when they played Penn State, it was sixty six sixty two. Like when they played uh, Illinois, seventy one sixty two, and then. Purdue was 86-76. Like, it's so close that they just need to find a way, like, to pull through and actually win, you know, a game that's that close. Like, they did with the, those those two overtime games. Yeah, like, the those, Northwestern games. Yeah, those were those were great. Those were great games. And Wisconsin, yes. Yeah, and it's, those are the kind of games they need to maybe not, like, that close all the time because, obviously, the, like couple, they should, probably shouldn't have been this close as they no. were. But they just need to figure out how to do that 
more frequently rather than turn it around and keep losing. They're always, yeah, they're always trying to figure it out at the half. This team has, you know, when you watch the Illinois game, you watch the Purdue game, and I just really saw all the highlights from the Purdue game, basically. But this team never had control the whole way, basically. You know, I haven't seen a game this year against other maybe, okay, against crappy non-conference opponents. This team's never looked like they've just had control of a basketball game. Even in games that they pulled out, whether you want to look at the Wisconsin game, which one they didn't deserve to win. I mean, they came back, they won that game, but Wisconsin, in my opinion, blew that game more than Michigan State won it. Wisconsin hits a few free throws, they seal that game up. It was a nice comeback, don't get me wrong. Wisconsin's a sound team, sound program, and uh, you're going to have to battle them again uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. But again, I can't. I look at all these games they've played, and I don't see a sound victory. And even in the losses, they were behind that whole game to Illinois. They fell into a jump-shooting kind of team, and that's what irritated me to no end. I'm watching this game, and they just keep jacking up threes, jacking up quick jump shots from deep distance, not getting the ball moved around, and like we've not getting the ball down low, not trying to get some points in the paint, not trying to get to the foul line. I mean, you look at the fouls, there was only about five, six minutes left in this game against Illinois in the second half. Illinois, we already had, they already had ten fouls on us. We only had four fouls. We, you know, we weren't even close. We weren't penetrating at all. And that's, that discrepancy in fouls, ten to four at that point, means you're not trying to drive the lane at all. You're just relying on shooting a jump shot, which isn't working for you. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's this team. It falls into this. They get into this mentality. They just get stuck in a way they're playing, and they can't just they can't get out of that and basically evolve and do do what works for them. Uh, right now, if you want to look at this team, um, I just the way they're playing right now, I'm seeing them as honestly an eight or nine seed going into the tournament. Uh, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's not for a little while now. But you know what? They need to really start putting some good W's together. Um, and come in February, they have a tough six-game stretch against teams like Wisconsin, Purdue, Ohio State, Minnesota, even Penn State in there. It's, it's, there's almost no team you can look past other than maybe in Iowa, maybe in Indiana. Uh, this team has a lot of problems. Uh, you know, here's a quote from Tom Izzo, article out of Detroit Free Press. He says, quote, we are not a team that should be totally rebuilding. And he says, quote, I look at our record right now. It is definitely disturbing. People are down, end quote. And it's true. Tom doesn't know what to say anymore. He doesn't. I, I don't blame him because I don't know what's wrong either. He doesn't know what's wrong. None of us do. I mean, I think, you you know, look at Kalen Lucas in that Purdue game. Three of 16 shooting. Absolutely horrendous. Um, again, we've said, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's still fully healthy from that Achilles tendon tear. Uh, but 3 of 16 was garbage. Lewis Jackson got the best of that guy all night. Lewis Jackson looked great for Purdue. He did what Kalen should have been doing, getting to the lane, good layups, just penetration, getting to the line, and then, you know, your jump shot starts to fall. You know, you get to the line, you start getting some easy shots, you know, you get more confident in your shots. Kalen played terrible. Again, Corey Lucius, god-awful performance by him again. I don't know what's wrong with this kid. He's shooting just barely above 30% for the year from the field. Just terrible. I do want to say Draymond Green and Delvon Rowe played a fantastic game against Purdue. If it wasn't for their performance, we would have lost that game by 20. They played a great game, but it just wasn't enough. It really wasn't enough, and at this point right now, you really start to wonder. At 12-7, and seven, I mean, they're the only team in the top 25 with seven losses. They're the only team, honestly. They probably don't deserve to be in the top 25. I agree. And they did fall out of the coaches' poll, and they fell out of the coaches' poll by one. Uh, Utah State basically took their spot there in the coaches' poll. So, I mean, with the Spartans right now, I feel bad for Tom. Uh, I, I do. I feel like, I mean, he can only do so much as a coach, and I think he's tried a lot out. The players need to respond. I think he needs to be tougher on Darrell Summers. I'm getting tired of Darrell back and forth, lackadaisical one game, into it the next. He plays defense when he feels like it. Uh, you know, it was unfortunate Keith Appling got into foul trouble against Purdue because once Keith Appling came out, Johnson basically had his way with, you know, Darrell. Darrell does not play defense when he wants. It's it's ridiculous with Darrell. I feel bad for Tom because this is the year he decided to stay. Yeah. And, I mean, we were expecting – he was expecting so much more from the team. We were expecting so much more mm-hmm. from the team. And they're just they're, – I don't. Are they sick of losing yet? That's what I want to know. It's I. If, I feel like if they they really want it, they would be working on what they need to fix. I, I feel like they are because I feel like Tom notices the same things as we do. Yeah. Obviously, because you know he's on the sidelines, same as us. You know, we can see everything. Yeah, vein popping out of his head. <laughs> and like you know, they, they, I feel like they're working on it, but they just don't feel comfortable with it for some reason. Like getting down low, it works when they do it. They they draw fouls when they do it. Get to the line. And they only do it a few times a game. 
And that's that's what bothers me because mm-hmm. they work so hard to get it down low. Like you watch Knicks, you watch Draymond, you watch Roe, you watch all those guys down yeah. low fighting, fighting, fighting. And then they throw up some stupid jumper. And it's like, really? He was working and so, so quick into the sh- yeah, shot clock. Exactly. Like 10 seconds. Dec- I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> 10 seconds into the shot clock. He just throws up the shot. And it's so horrible. And it just I just sit there like with my hands on my head like, what are you doing? Yeah, that like, Illinois game drove me insane. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I walked out in the first, like, last minute and a half. I was like, there's no no way they're going to win. No. Well, we got a caller, so let's go to the phones. Hey, Greg, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How's it going? Good. How's it going with you? Not too bad. So what do you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. I, just, I mean, I agree with a lot of your points, but I tend to believe that they are improving. They had two tough losses to two good teams on the road, but, you know, Joe Rexroyd in the Lansing State's Journal commented that, you know, they're out-rebounding teams now. They're cutting down on turnovers. Like you said, Draymond Green and uh, Delvon Rowe are playing a lot better together. They are? I think what it really comes down to is Kalen Lucas and Darrell Summers aren't playing like the stars they need to play like. I think if those two can step up their game and improve, a lot of the other details really are being improved on. No, I definitely agree with that, Greg. Uh, you know, I think I think the backcourt is the problem with this team. You can I lump Corey Lucius right into that mix as well. Um, if the backcourt could play better, I mean, you look how badly Lewis Jackson Lewis Jackson tore apart Kalen Lucas in that game against Purdue, and I still don't think Kalen Lucas is fully healthy. I really don't. But I mean, what do you think this team, other than other than Darrell Summers and Kalen Lucas? I mean, yes, they are rebounding the ball better. They're shooting better free throw percentage and the turnovers, the things that we talked about earlier in the year that they weren't doing well when they were shooting the ball. But how do you get this team to now when they they do that well? How do you get them to shoot a better field goal percentage? What do you think is the solution for this team to shoot better or at least make you know choose better shot attempts? I guess is a better way to put it. I mean, honestly, a lot of that comes down to. Your point guards, uh, Corey Lucius, Kalen Lucas, I, like you said, they're really not playing their best game. I guess I don't really have an answer for that. I don't think Tom Izzo has an answer for that. Yeah. He said uh, halftime of the Purdue game, he got after Darrell Summers about playing defense, and Summers did play much better defense in the second half, but I don't know. A lot of times it just seems like Summers had Kalen Lucas, and like you said, Kalen Lucas I don't think is fully healthy, but Darrell Summers, I think his head just hasn't been in the game for whatever reason. No, I definitely agree, Greg, and uh, I really appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. I've seen some flashes of Darrell Summers getting back to his old groove, though. Uh-huh. He's had times where he goes in, he's making every shot, you know, he's at the line, he's making his free throws. Like, finally, I was sitting there, and I'm like, he's doing good. Like, he's actually, maybe he's getting out of this funk, and that's, like, I was listening to the announcers, they were saying the same thing. And it was, like, he did for a while, but, yeah, he's definitely not what he used to be. And it's the same thing with Kalen Lucas, like you said. Um, I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think he... um is playing half, well, half as well, but like he's not fully playing like he did last year. Like he's not as good as he was last no. year. Um, I mean, is that going to affect him when he tries to go into pros? Well, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll the way see, he's yeah, playing, no. he's not even to make the pros. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, because you know, he could have left last year and he didn't. He could have. Kalen could have too, and Kalen would have went high in the draft. Uh, and like I said, I really don't think Kalen's fully healthy. My problem also, you look at the Purdue game, you look at the Illinois game, they let Purdue shoot 58% from the field. Now, some of that obviously is just great shooting by guys like Etwan Moore, Juwan Johnson, Lewis, you know, Lewis Jackson. When you know those guys hit some great shots, shots that you know as good a defense as you could play, they're going to knock down. But still, two games in a row, you've let these teams shoot fantastic field goal percentages, and that comes down to defense. To a point, yeah, if a team's hot and they're shooting well, they're shooting well. But no team should get should shoot 58% against you. No team should be able to do that. Not to mention, they were 22 for 30 from the line. They got to the free throw line. Michigan State as well, they shot, they shot good from the free throw line. They were 10 of 13. But they just didn't get to the line much. Again, they fell back onto a jump-shooting basketball team and did not penetrate, did not try to get points in the paint, did not try to drive the lane. And when you're not doing that, you're not getting the easy... They had 22 easy points from the free-throw line Purdue did in that game. We had 10. Okay? That's a big difference. It's a big discrepancy. State didn't shoot bad. State shot 44% from the field from for the game. That's not bad at all. 
But when you let a team shoot 58%, you better do everything in the world right other than, you know, other than that. Like I said, you look at Lucas, 3 of 16 shooting, uh, falling out in the last couple minutes. Corey Lucius, this guy, uh, he just, I, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's shooting some shots, barely getting rim on him. And shots, I mean, it, it just looks like me shooting out there on the court. It looks <laughs> just awful. Um, again, though, Draymond with 21 points and 11 boards against Purdue. Fantastic play. Delvin Rowe, 16 points. Darrell did score 11. But they need a lot more from Darrell Summers in general and Kalen Lucas if mm-hmm. this team's going to turn it around. Um, I do agree with the caller, Greg, saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, we did lose two games on the road to two formidable teams. But, again, what always bothered me, I never felt State was in the... They never looked like they had any kind of control. They always looked, They were always playing from behind. They are always playing uphill. You know, it was a close game with about six minutes left in the first half, and they let Purdue go on a 15-5 to run to close the half out, and they just never could get back. They need to do a better job at closing halves out, and that's been a big problem with this team. You've seen a lot of times that letdown in that final four or five minutes of the first half, and it puts them in a hole, and then they have to dig themselves out of it. And when you're playing better teams, Purdue is a better team than us. Okay, I won't say Illinois is, but Purdue is a better team than us. And when you're playing better teams, you need to be able to play more consistent basketball. The one thing with them, too, I don't, I don't know. I can't exactly 100% remember if that was with these past few games, but they um, their defense needs some work. Mm-hmm. Um they play awesome defense in the last few minutes of the game. They always do. Yeah. And it's one thing they just have to carry on throughout the whole entire game because I they forced so many turnovers with those two overtime games by playing as hard a defense as they did. Um, but then, like, it's so inconsistent because they waited until the last minutes to, yeah. like, kind of, you know, push it, push the pace. And it's something they need to work on, you know, keeping keeping up through, throughout the whole entire duration of the game because they, they can play good defense. We have seen it. Oh, yeah. And they just they just need to work on, you know, like everything else. It just needs to be consistent throughout the duration of the game. That's the only thing. They have flashes of good good times, good parts, and it's just something that needs to carry on. That's all That's all I can say. I'm not, I'm not bashing them because I don't want to. No. And I, they, they are good. They are good, and it's just they just need to they need to believe that they're good, but not be so cocky about it. They need to just realize that you know what? Yeah, you were preseason ranked number two. You know, everyone's touting you as a possible national champion, Final Four, almost for sure. Get that out of your head and just play basketball. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? All these doesn't matter. You know what these analysts think doesn't matter. What the country thinks. Play your game and stick to it. I, we've said it before. This team is not used to these kind of losing woes. They're not used to it, and they need to work passes. They don't figure it out soon. They are going to be a bad seed in come tournament time. And you know who knows? I got friends of mine saying they're going to be the first. You know, eight seed upset a one seed, you know, since uh, UAB beat Kentucky. <laughs> but let's not hope for that, okay? Let's see them. I mean, they're not going to win the Big Ten this year. Ohio State, 20 and 0, playing fantastic basketball. Ohio State's going to lose some games. They got to play Purdue. They have to play some tough games coming up. But still, the Big Ten is so strong this year. You know, all these teams are going to struggle a little bit. I just see, I need to see Michigan State play well Thursday against Michigan, play well at home against Indiana. You know, both of these games are at home. Both of these games you should win. These are really more the bottom of the barrel Big Ten teams. Michigan is pretty decent. They played close games with Kansas, close games against Syria. They played some close games with teams. They haven't won them. They're not a team to look past. Uh, no team's a team to look past for Michigan State right now. Um, looking at the AP Top 10, uh, for all you listeners out there, Ohio State is 1, Pitt is 2, Duke 3, San Diego State 4, Connecticut 5, and then to round out the bottom half, you got Kansas, Texas, Villanova, Brigham Young, and Syracuse. So like I said, I mean, look, we lost to Texas, they're 7th, Syracuse 10th, you know, Connecticut 5, Duke 3. It's uh, a lot of good teams, mm-hmm. but... They haven't beat a good team yet. And the only team, actually, that they lost to that wasn't good was Penn State. That was the one team. That was the one game where that was a loss you never should have had. That was a bad loss. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are going to move past that. We'll uh, talk more, obviously, about the Spartans next Monday, see how they do with these two games coming up. All I know is they have to beat Michigan. Oh, they better be Michigan. <laughs> I know. I'll be there, so. <laughs> well, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the count is. I think it's 11, you know, 1140 some days. We haven't, you know, Michigan hasn't beat us in basketball oh, or football. Yeah, so yeah. Let's not break that this, right now, please. Please. Please don't rub that one in. Because <laughs> that's all the Wolverines got to hang on right uh, now. That would just be the icing on the cake for us right now. It really would. <laughs> All right, but uh, let's move to the NFL. Uh, the NFL was this weekend, this Sunday, at two, uh, the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. First game on Sunday, which was at 3 o'clock, was the Green Bay Packers 
versus the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> and the Bears lost. Yes. Uh, Packers won that game 21 to 14. And uh, it was a, it was an all right game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too bad. Uh, definitely seen better football played. Um, right. I think if you look at both games, both games actually were a little sloppy. But uh, the Green Bay game, yes, I'm happy the Packers won. I mm-hmm. uh, don't want to see the Bears in the Super Bowl, and I'm happy they're not there. Uh, Jay Cutler went out in the third quarter with a knee sprain, did not return. And Todd Collins got injured as well, and then they put their third stringer in, Haney. And uh, Haney actually did a pretty decent job. He actually uh, you know, he got a touchdown for uh, Chicago, made it a closer game, 21-14, but threw an interception late in the game, which basically iced it for Green Bay. Um, Haney didn't do too bad of a job. A lot of people uh, in the media and also uh, some football players are calling out Jay Cutler right now, saying that you know he should have played still. That you know people, oh, I played through a knee injury. You know you should. Well, you know Lovey Smith still says he took Cutler out. Cutler did not take himself out. Uh, you know, and I can't sit here and say that you know Cutler's a you know he's a, he's a wimp. I mean, I trust the you know you got to trust your head coach if he thinks you can't play. Cutler wasn't playing well to begin with in this game. He wasn't playing that great of a game anyhow. And actually, Haney did a pretty darn good job. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, even with his uh, you know he threw two picks, had some had some mistakes, but you know what? They locked down early in the first and second quarter and were able to hold on. That's a, I feel like it was over after the first half for me, just because there was it was so scoreless. There was no score in the third quarter. They were up yep. fourteen to nothing. They were controlling that game. That's right. And that's what I I was sitting there watching. I was so bored. I was like, there is nothing going on right now. And I, 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 was, I was all for Green Bay. I wanted them to win. And, you know, we picked them last week and everything. That's we picked right. them, and I'm glad they did. They deserve it. They really do. Me too. I think Green Bay's had a fantastic run in the playoffs. Uh, you know, a team that comes in as a wild card spot. And you know what? They've beaten good opponents. They've played good football. Uh, very impressed with Green Bay and how they've played. And uh, like I said, I love Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know he did not play his best game uh, this weekend, but he did enough. And, you know, I think it's interesting enough that Green Bay really did not play the greatest game, and they still won. Mm-hmm. Bears are one of the most overrated teams in the playoffs, one of the most overrated teams during the regular season. Like, we got so tired when people get so high in the Bears. Well, I mean, look at the Bears. You get to play the Lions twice. In one of those games, they technically lost, in my opinion. You know, you get to play the depleted Vikings. Uh, you know, I mean, those are four simple wins right there. You know, the Bears, even the Cowboys, all that crap. Uh, they just never impressed me all year. Uh, it's a very schizophrenic team, as you know, we've been saying. Jake Culler, he's good, he's bad. You don't know what you're going to get out of him from game to game. Mm-hmm. And uh, good thing the Bears are out of it. I got the Super Bowl matchup I want. Oh, yeah, so, uh, me too. So. <laughs> I don't care. I'm happy with it. And uh, let's move on to that game. And that game was the AFC Championship game, played later that day at around 6.30 was the kickoff. The Pittsburgh Steelers played the New York Jets. And if you'd only seen the first half of this game and you went to bed, you would have thought, no matter, it was in lock, locked down, 24 to 3 at the half. Uh, the Steelers just, I've never seen a beatdown that bad in the first half of football, in a, in a championship type game, in a playoff type game. I believe New York had roughly 25 yards, 25 yards at the end of that half. They were abused. First possession alone, I was sitting there and I was kind of like looking away from the TV and back and I was like, is this the first one? And they're like, no, it's got to be like the second. They had a, like a nine and a half like drive, nine and a half minute drive. Yep. And I'm like, this is the longest drive of my entire life. It was a long drive. It, it took forever, <laughs> but it paid off in the end. No, it did. It did. So I, I can give that to them. And they definitely ran down the clock. Like that was pretty legit but <laughs> they ran the ball fantastic yeah. and that's why Pitt won the game uh Mendenhall looked fantastic out there he uh you know did had a great game uh Pitt rushed for 166 yards total which really was the difference uh even with New York making their comeback in the second half uh Pitt still had almost 10 minutes of possession time on them like you know you mentioned that opening drive and uh they just they they own the clock I think they let down completely in the second half they felt the game was almost in hand uh, you know, New York did a decent job to make it a game, but just not enough. Didn't, not enough. Didn't the Steelers have a couple big injuries, too? I know um, they had Pouncey go down mm-hmm. in the first quarter, and yep. they had one other guy, and there were a couple of uh, those Pro Bowl 
guys and a couple centers they were saying I can't remember who the other guy was for the life of myself yeah me either and I, they said that was kind of a big thing but obviously it didn't affect him that much no it really didn't and, I mean again you know you really look at you know the Green Bay game look at this game look at Roethlisberger Roethlisberger again did not have a good game two picks even though one of them was really it was not even a pick it was they went forward on fourth down if you remember mm-hmm. and they basically New York basically got like two yards out of the interception they still would have been stopped short even if completed that pass right. so again Roethlisberger had a crappy game but again like Green Bay James Starks you know Mendenhall these guys got it done on the ground for both of these teams mm-hmm. the running game worked and I think it's going to be a fantastic Super Bowl uh, we are definitely going to preview that more uh, next week but both of these teams are quite similar in the way they play Aaron Rodgers Ben Roethlisberger both very good at the improvisation outside the pocket. Uh, Aaron Rodgers also, he can run the ball. Roethlisberger, when he gets a little bit of steam in that big body of his, he can run the ball a little bit himself. Uh, like I said, really good running games for both teams, great defenses. Um, the defense is what won both of these games for these teams. You look at B.J. Raji's interception for a touchdown again in the Green Bay game. You know, William Gay, he had the 19-yard fumble return. Uh, just some great defensive play by both teams. I'm, I'm excited. Me too. I'm very excited. Oh, definitely. After both those games ended, I was like, yes. Like, everyone was like, no, neither of those teams are going to win. I was like, yes, they are. No, they're going to (laughs) win. Everyone's high in the Jets. Everyone, I mean, if you look at Chicago, Chicago, I mean, they played Seattle the first round of their, you know, the, the first round of their game in the playoffs. And Seattle, let's be honest, they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. The reason they're in there is because they were in the worst division in football. That's 7-9. and nine. I mean, and you know, the Seahawks, <laughs> they tried to come back in that game the other week. Chicago never impressed me, bottom line. Um, I do have a problem, actually, with players like Darnell Dockin and other guys coming out and talking bad about Jay Cutler. I hate Jay Cutler, okay? I don't like him, but I don't like when people start coming out and saying that he's a wimp, he's not playing for the team. Give me a break. This is a championship game. If he could be out there, I think he would be out there. I believe Lovey Smith, you know, Erlacher, he's a, he's a competitor. All right, maybe a quirky guy, bit of an idiot. I don't like him, excuse me. But, uh, you know, still, I, I hate when people try, you know, other guys that know, play that position trying to say that he should have been playing. I don't like strong safeties. I don't like defensive linemen telling, you know, tell, talking to a quarterback, saying, hey, I played on a knee injury. You don't play quarterback, though. Don't talk about a quarterback unless you've played the position. It's just, in my opinion, that's low and that's uncalled for. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are going to take a quick break right now. Uh, when we get back, we're definitely going to get to a little bit of the Red Wings, Pistons, uh, Little Tigers for you. So uh, definitely stay tuned. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. I'm out of here. Th- thanks again, man. It was good. Wait, time. you were uh, you were hitting it pretty hard tonight. Are you, are you good to drive? Heck yeah! I am amazing at driving. Yeah, man. You sure? I mean, I can call a cab, or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't worry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, hey, text me when you get back. Okay. Stop right there. This is stupid. He's drunk. Friends don't let friends drink and drive ever. A message from 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., the Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is plagued by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle. And only the strongest survive. Every Sunday night from 8 till 10. Sit or spin. Only on Impact 89 FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Uh, before we move on to the Red Wings and the Pistons and the Tigers and all that stuff, a uh, little uh, little tidbit here for the Detroit Lions, Lions fans out there. Uh, today, defensive tackle Idamika Sue was the only rookie named to the AP's prestigious All-Pro team. Uh, which is a very uh, it's a very great award for him. He uh, has played a phenomenal season. Uh, Lions wide re- uh, wide receiver Calvin Johnson was named to the All Pro second team. 
Uh, here's a quote from Sue about getting uh, named to the uh, All-Pro First Team. He says, quote, it's a great honor and it's an award I've had my eye on, along with being in the Pro Bowl. These are two of the highest accomplishments you can have other than winning a Super Bowl and being MVP. He says, quote, to be the only rookie speaks volumes about the help I got from my teammates, especially on the defensive line and my coaches. Uh, Sue had 10 sacks this season, uh, you know, did a fantastic job. He deserves every bit of it. Uh, he played, he just played a great season. I'm very happy to see this young kid who I think is really going to be one of the, one of the staples, one of the backbones of this team for a while. Um, I think he likes being in Detroit. And I think that, you know, he's going to do a great job for us. Very happy to see him uh, earn this accolade. Uh, it's very impressive. Uh, some of the other people named to the uh, All-Pro First Team, Tom Brady uh, for running backs, Jamal Charles and Arian Foster. For uh, fullbacks, you got Vonta Leach, tight end Jason Witten. For wide receivers, Roddy White and Reggie Wayne. Uh, let's see, for some of the tackles, Jake Long and Joe Thomas. You also got kick returner Devin Hester, kicker Billy Cundiff out of Baltimore. Uh, center Nick Mangold from the Jets, Logan Mankins, Jaree Evans, and that's basically that's your first team defense. Got some Julius Peppers. I'm not going to go through the rest of the names. Clay Matthews, Patrick Willis, Troy Palomalu, guys you would expect. But uh, I just wanted to mention that for all of our Lions fans, a great accomplishment for Andamika Sue. Unfortunately, he will not be able to play in the Pro Bowl uh, because he did have surgery about a week ago. So that does stink, but hey, it's just getting named to the Pro Bowl, and that's more important. And uh, again, it's just, you know, it's very impressive. And he is the first rookie defensive lineman since Javon Curse in 1999 to be named All-Pro. So again, congratulations, Ndamukong Sue. Uh, great job. Uh, can't, wait. can't wait for next season. But we're going to move on. Let's go to, we're gonna mix, let's go to the Red Wings first. Let's do the Wings. For all of our Wings fans, the thing we don't talk about the Wings enough, I want to talk about them more. Because the Wings, you know, the Wings are dealing with a lot of injuries, as we've talked about before. A lot of guys hurt and kind of waiting on the comeback. Uh, right now, though, the Detroit Red Wings recalled goalie, goaltender Joey McDonald from the Grand Rapids Griffins today. And they loaned forward Thomas Tatar and Jordan Pierce to the AHL, AHL club. Uh, McDonald, uh, we did just send him down, uh, which was more of a procedural move on Friday uh, because we were waiting to see if Evgeny Nabokov could clear waivers. Uh, we put out, uh, we signed him to a one-year, five hundred seventy-five seventy thousand deal on Friday, and basically how how waivers work is that you know teams from the worst to the best have shot at him for twenty-four hours. Well, we didn't keep him. The New York Islanders grabbed him up, and funny enough, uh, Nabokov wants nothing to do with the Islanders. Doesn't want to report. Uh, alleged reports have him hanging up on GM uh, Garth Snow. Um, it's all pretty funny. He, they have no I, He has no idea why a team like the Islanders would even want him with how dreadful they are. Uh, basically, you know, basically Nabokov wants he wanted to play for a contender. He wanted to help a team out to get to the playoffs and you know win in the playoffs. And if it, he says you know if it's not really going to be the Wings, then he doesn't want to play. And I have no problem with that. Uh, if he does not report to the New York Islanders, he will not be eligible to play in the NHL this year. And it's looking that way, so any of you thinking that we can still somehow get Nabokov, that's not going to happen. It will not happen. Um, it was an interesting, it was a fine move by Ken Holland. Um, I still believe that the Red Wings weren't complete. They, I, I think they wanted him, but they didn't want him terribly bad. If they would have wanted him more, I think they would have been more aggressive with their offer. You know, making it for one year, 575 um, excuse me, I want to keep thinking it's like yeah, five thousand. This, uh, this salary, five hundred seventy thousand. It's it's quite low. If you would have made this guy maybe a multi-year deal worth like a million and a half, something around there, you might have been able to retain him. But something that cheap, uh, you know, the Islanders got him for pennies. And uh, as crappy as Islanders are, I understand both sides. You know, Islanders want to win some more games, even though they have no chance at the playoffs, obviously. And Nabokov, why would you want to play for the New York Islanders? So uh, McDonald, McDonald is back. He's going to be backing up uh, uh, Chris Osgood. I'm um, not Chris Osgood. Jimmy Howard, excuse me. Uh, McDonald this season, he has appeared in five games for the Wings. Um, he's got a 1-2-1 and one record with a 2-5-3 goals against average and uh, basically a 90% save percentage. So uh, nice to have McDonald back. Uh, I think McDonald's a pretty good backup. Chris Osgood will be back after his uh, sports hernia surgery. He should be back about the start of March. But uh, speaking about the Red Wings, 
Red Wings have one game left until the All-Star break. The All-Star break is this weekend. Uh, starts on Friday, goes through the entire weekend. And the Wings will be playing on Wednesday against New Jersey Devils, which are also at the bottom of the barrel of the league, 35 points, uh, a dreadful team. Um, it's going to be a very nice break for the Detroit Red Wings. This team needs to rest. They need some time off. And so I'm so thankful. All right, Pavel Datsuk and Dan Cleary should be back February 2nd at Ottawa. It'll be the first game back. It'll be the first game since the All-Star break. So we're going to get two big forwards back. You know, I mean, not having these guys has hurt the team. They've only won two games in the past six games. Uh, you know, they had a nice overtime win against St. Louis, but they still blew a three-goal lead and had to have to, it had to go to overtime. Uh, they played a horrible game against Chicago on Saturday. Uh, nice to see Corey Emerton get his first goal as a, in the NHL, but basically Kopetsky got the best of us. That X-wing, uh, he got it. He got it done. So with the Red Wings, uh, you know, things they might need to work on: just getting healthy, rest. Uh, you know, if uh, here's a quote from uh, Coach uh, Mike Babcock. He says, quote, I think we've been on a real good run. I think we've competed hard. I don't like the goals against, and I don't like, uh, I don't like sometimes the score. But lots of the time, I like the results. So that's what we're doing. We're just trying to find a way to survive and stay in it. Right now, they're three points out of it. They're three points back of the Vancouver Canucks in the Western Conference. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to have the Canucks be on a four-game uh, losing streak. It's helped us out. And uh, basically... Just get healthy, Red Wings. Need to get healthy and uh, just keep it up. The Wings, again, one of the one of the best teams in the NHL as always, even dealing with as many injuries as they're dealing with. Uh, right now, for their power play, their power play has been good the last 16 games. Uh, 14 for 57, almost 25% uh, success rate on the power play, which is very good. Uh, it's very, it's going to be very exciting to see these guys come back when they get healthy. Like I said, you got Cleary and Datsuk both coming back. Uh, should be back for, against Ottawa on February 2nd. Uh, here's a nice little quote again from Babcock. It says, quote, the interesting thing about when people get injured and people go away is other guys find jobs and create opportunity and value for themselves, and other guys don't. Sometimes you think you're a second-line player or you're the fourth line, and you should get to play on the third line. When that opportunity comes, you grab it. Maybe that happens. If you don't grab it when the other people come back, that's just the way life is. So that's why these things are all positive, and it's a good opportunity for us. And we've talked about this before, Megan. Uh, you know, with all these injuries out there, it's given guys, guys like Darren Helm, guys like Patrick Eves, even Jan Merzak, who, you know, we haven't had for too long since we've only had him for about a month. Um, it's given them a lot more ice time. And it's been able to, you know, show us what they're capable of. And like, you know, Babcock just said, you prove it now and maybe you get moved up in the lines. Um, again, Red Wings, uh, you know, just keep it up, guys. Get healthy. Now, leaving the Red Wings, but still... Staying on a, a certain topic here, I want to ask uh, our listeners a question. Uh, with the All-Star Weekend coming up for the NHL, you got the Pro Bowl coming up as well uh, this Sunday. What is your favorite All-Star game? NBA, NHL, MLB? And, I mean, what is it? What is your favorite All-Star game? And uh, give us a call. It's 517-432-3893. Just like to hear what the listeners out there like. Now, Megan, I'll ask you. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite All-Star game? I'm a huge baseball fan. All I've right. been saying this since day one. I love the baseball all-star break. I think it's really interesting and really fun to watch because a lot of it for them is the hitting. Uh huh. And I think it's so fun to see like who can hit it out of the park, what team can win. Like it's I I, I really enjoy baseball. Obviously, it wasn't exactly the greatest idea for uh, the Tigers because after their that all-star break this year, they kind of plummeted. It's like after every all-star break. <laughs> and uh, but I I love baseball, and I will say that. Baseball All-Star Game is my favorite. Uh-huh. Uh, baseball, yeah, I'd say it's my favorite, too, just barely. Uh, the NBA is a very close second. Uh, the NBA, it's fun. It's like a pickup game. It's almost like a bunch of Harlem Globetrotters out there. They're throwing alley-oops. You know, they're just having fun out there. It's not a contact sport necessarily, so it doesn't lose any of its luster. Uh, you know, that's why when you look at the NHL and the horrible Pro Bowl, I can't say... Uh, on your birthday. Yeah, on my birthday. I'll be watching the Spartans playing and, and the Pistons. Screw the Pro Bowl. I, I just That's the thing. You look at games like the Pro Bowl and the NHL. The NHL is okay. Um, I prefer really the skills competition, you know, hardest shot. That's the fun stuff for me to watch. Uh, even more so, same with the NBA. I love the dunk contest, which has actually been pretty crappy the last few years. But I've always still enjoyed it. Skills competition is always fun with that. Uh, but the Pro Bowl, no offense, if anyone likes the Pro Bowl, I mean, who's going to watch it? 
I mean, someone call in and tell me why you want to watch the Pro Bowl. Just so maybe you think you're in Hawaii for, you know, a couple hours. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of curious. I don't, anyone I talk to can't stand the Pro Bowl. I'd like to hear a good argument for why someone likes the Pro Bowl. Because to me, the Pro Bowl is an absolute farce. It's an absolute joke. Um, you know, with the All-Star Game for the MLB, um, it, it, I don't know if it's, I still can't decide if it's good or bad on the winner, you know, having home field for the World Series. Mm-hmm. I really don't know how I feel about that. I, you know, I have to think about that some more. I guess it's all right. You know, it makes the game count for more. Guys are obviously trying, uh, doing their best. But again, the All-Star Game, any All-Star Game, they're all very gimmicky. But, uh, you know, we have two in the same weekend. So if you had to pick between the NHL and the NFL, which one are you going to watch on Sunday? I feel like the All-Star Games are more for show. It's just a kind of like, you know, no, this is what we're doing right now. It's like it's a vacation for yeah. the players. It's like time to just relax. They bring their families out. Their kids come right. out. They all get to sit around and watch it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fun. And that's great for that. I understand that nice little vacation in Hawaii, especially guys that maybe have never had that accolade of being, you know, on an all-star roster, you know, named to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is a great accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But does really watching it as a fan do anything for me? Not at all. Not when it comes to the NFL. Again, the NHL, I will not watch that game either. I'll watch more or less the skills competition. That, to me, is a lot more exciting. Uh, you know, I've always loved the hardest shot competition. It's very cool. And like I said, the NBA, hey, it's like it's just a pickup game. It's fun. It's just absolute fun. Can't get past it. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I don't know what people are going to watch this weekend. All right, we got a caller. I've been waiting. <laughs> I want someone to tell me. All right. Hey, John, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Yeah, I'm calling in because, uh, you know, I, I, I like, I, I kind of like them all. Uh-huh. You know what? I wish they would change, though, because, you know, I wish they would have, like, uh, different kind of contests, okay? I, I know these guys are all great that are out there at either basketball or, or hockey or whatever, but, I mean, like baseball, you know, the different contests. I mean, who's good at what and this. I mean, pit people against each other, you know, as good as they are. I mean, let's see, who's, who is that good? You know what I'm saying? Well, I know what you mean. I mean, they have the home run derby for baseball, just like they have the dunk contest for basketball. And, you know, they have those kinds of competitions, basically. You're saying you want them to add some more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, because you know yourself, when it comes to the game, these guys, they're not out there to hurt each other. They're not out there to... to to, to try to win, win like uh, per se, in, in like in a game for you know in a regular season game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you know, okay, uh, go out there, have your fun, and uh, make your baskets, but make do something on the sidelines and, and see who can do what, you know. I, I know what you're saying. I mean, it'd be a nice little brainstorm to have them come up with some other kind of, I guess, contest. They do. That's why they have the skills competition. They have a lot of that, whether it's dribbling. You know, you have to compete little, like, you know, courses. The NHL has a lot of the same thing. They usually do those kinds of things on Friday and Saturday, usually on Saturday for that. But I know what you're saying. I, I could see them. They, they could add a little bit more. Um, again, the All-Star Games, to me, usually quite boring. Uh, but hey, yeah, it, it, they, I mean they are. I mean you got guys playing, and I know I know myself. If I was out there and I was making that kind of money, and I'm playing hockey, and I know it's for nothing, I mean I'm not going to go all out. So I mean, uh, let me go all out in something else that maybe I'm good at. You know. I know what you mean, but uh, I really appreciate the call, John. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I mean, like, I, they really do have a lot of those other, like, that's what the skills competition is. That You know, I think they have a lot of those competitions there. I don't know what else they could add for baseball. I mean, you have the home run derby. What else could they add? I catch the most pot flies. Woo! Or, you know, <laughs> or maybe let's make it like kind of like a carnival. We'll stack a bunch of milk carton, you know, little milk, you know, cans, you and we can throw baseballs Pictures at them. out there. Yeah, you know. Oh, dunk, wear out their arms even more, though. Yeah. Dunk contests. You know, we can just, you know, have a guy sitting on, you know, we dunk him in some water. I don't know. Uh, like I said, they're all quite gimmicky anyhow. Uh, but the All-Star Games, uh, they're for show. They're for money. That's all they're for. It's just for people to tune in and see all the theatrics that are going on. Right. It's just a moneymaker. People love the bells and whistles, and that's the extra stuff that go around the and that's, main game, and the that's, main attraction. And that's the best way to put it, the bells and whistles of it. <laughs> it's a long weekend for me. To me, it's just it's a time for the players to rest up. Like I said, it's a chance for them to bring their kids out, their wives out, you know, and just come and enjoy a nice little you know, vacation somewhere, whether it's Hawaii or whether, you know, I believe, uh, I don't know where the NBA, uh, I think it's, it might be in Miami this year. I'm not sure where that uh, All-Star game is being played. But it's always usually at a nice venue. Uh, usually they try to do it in a warmer climate. Um, I do believe the NHL All-Star game is in Boston this year. So 
that's not warm. But that's hockey. You can't be in a warm environment if you're playing hockey. <laughs> that's why I hate hockey teams out of like Phoenix and Atlanta because they shouldn't have teams. Oh, <laughs> they shouldn't. You're so biased. I am. But, it's only because we're in Michigan and you're suffering in our negative well, five degree weather. But I mean, they just they don't have big markets. No mm-hmm. one cares. I mean, I'm not like how many fans? They probably get like eight thousand fans to go out to a Thrashers game, you know, every evening. And the Thrashers have some decent players, but I just I think this is a, this is a whole different ball. We'll get into this another time. But the NHL expanded way too fast, and I think there's way too many small market crappy teams that no one gives no one gives a care about. You know, people, the purest of the sport, they like seeing the teams from the East, from the Midwest, from Canada that have been around the original six, you know, the original, you know, 12, 14. They like those kinds. They like that more. I mean, I can't really get behind a team out of, you know, Carolina Hurricanes out of, you know, Carolina. I'm sorry. They shouldn't be a team. I'd love to see the NHL contract out of every sport. I would love to see the NHL go back to 24 teams. I think it'd be fantastic. Not going to happen. What are they at right now? 30. 30? Okay. Cut six teams out. I, I got six right now. I could get rid of. Oh, I don't. I don't know if they'd be too happy, but I could get rid of. I get rid of the Land Thrashers. I get rid of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I would move. I would move a team back to Canada. I would take some. I would take Phoenix. Take them right back to Winnipeg. Um, I would like that when there were more teams actually in Canada. Um, get rid of uh, who else? Can you get rid of the Nashville Predators? Get rid of them easily. Um, Tampa Bay is playing really good this year. Uh, they are, but again, I don't even think Tampa Bay deserves a team. Personally, I am biased. I, that's my Midwest bias. I'm sorry. Biased. It's very biased. I just don't think a lot of these, and I just I don't think a lot of people care. Especially when you look at a team like the Atlanta Thrashers, they have they have the Falcons, right? They have the Atlanta Hawks for basketball. You know, they have the Braves in baseball. No one gives a crap about hockey there. They just don't. Team's only been around for like four or five years. No one cares. <laughs> You're I mean, speaking so generally. I really am. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, there's probably some hockey fans out there that care, but I think it just waters the league down. And you know, when you have the casual fan trying to tune into a hockey game, when they see teams like that that they've never even heard of, that have barely been around, I don't think people are going to tune in. I think when you have games like Pittsburgh and Detroit, or just like you know Boston versus the you know the Rangers, those are classic old school matchups that the casual fan can even jump aboard in and like. But when you have teams like the Carolina Hurricanes playing the Nashville Predators, I'm going to, you know, take a Benadryl. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but um, That's a nice way to put it. It really is. I, I mean, no one from those teams are listening. They're going to hate you from now on. Of course. On. If they're listening, please call in. If we got some listeners from Atlanta, uh, please call in right <laughs> you now. Know. You huh? never know. You never know. But it, please call in. You can call in all show about whatever you want. Uh, but we're going to move on. We only got like 14, 15 minutes left. And uh, I do want to talk about the Pistons real fast. Uh, the Detroit Pistons right now, 16 and 28. Uh, coming off, they had a tough loss against New Jersey uh, the other evening. Uh, just played uh, just horrible basketball, 89 to 74. They got beat down by the New Jersey Nets, which this is twice now this season. We lost to the Nets, which is really sad. And uh, But they did have a great come-from-behind win against the Phoenix Suns uh, this Saturday. They were down 14 points uh, going into the fourth quarter. It was 61-47, and they came back and won it. Uh, some great play by Will Bynum and uh, Austin Day. Uh, very, very good to see that. Uh, again, Greg Monroe continues to play really good basketball, uh, averaging almost 10 rebounds for the month of uh, January, which is just great. Uh, I really think that young guy is coming into his own right now, getting the minutes that he deserves. Uh, but looking at the Pistons, I know you haven't watched much of the Pistons. I watched the highlights. You watched the highlights. I know. I, you don't have to watch the games. <laughs> yeah, I watched the latest highlights. Um, they didn't really show much, though. I mean, it's like a minute wrap-up of the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really tough to get a feel for a basketball highlight that's 30 seconds long right. for a game. Yeah, but I, from what I can see, it, it looks like they're doing decent. They're over 50% right now, so... I mean, they're six. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're uh, right now two games out of the eighth spot in the in the East because uh, the bottom of the East is so terrible. Uh, but they are two games out only. Uh, basically, you know, we're a little more than a little bit more than halfway through the season. And uh, real quick, you know, question to our uh, fans: Do you think the Pistons can make the playoffs? And if so, do you want them to make the playoffs, or would you rather have them tank and maybe get a lottery pick? Uh, again, the lottery pick doesn't give you anything. It's a, I mean, it doesn't guarantee you anything. It's a pinball, okay? It's a big ball, and there's just a bunch of balls flying around. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to guaranteed get a top pick. It doesn't always guarantee anything. The worst record has a 25% chance at the number one pick, and it goes down from there. Uh, but I guess just looking halfway through the season, uh, very impressed with t- very impressed with Tayshawn Prince. Played a fantastic game. 
uh, fantastic game against uh, Phoenix, one of the big reasons that we were able to still win that game. Uh, again, Greg Monroe, like I said, uh, Tracy McGrady doing a great job at the point. Uh, I think he's a fantastic point guard. I think he runs the point better than anyone on the team. I think he's got a good eye on passing the ball. And, uh, you know, he's still, I think he's still dealing with a little bit of injuries, but, you know, he's really coming into his own a little bit more and really paid the guy a million dollars. So uh, God was always great to see him on this team this year. Uh, even Chris Wilcox, who uh, after he's, uh, you know, came back because of injury, um, you know, he's really done a good job stepping up for Ben Wallace. Uh, Wilcox, he can he can play well when he wants to. He can, you know, he's good at boarding the ball, and he can make he can make some shots down low. Uh, ben Wallace, he's been out for the past like five six games or so uh, with an ankle injury, and uh, Charlie Villanueva uh, right now he is questionable for tonight's game against the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Pistons actually uh, tipped off that game about 50 minutes ago. It's at Orlando. Uh, the Pistons do have a tough road this week, a very tough road, actually. Like I said, they're playing Orlando tonight at Orlando. On Wednesday, they'll be playing the Denver Nuggets at home. Then they have the Miami Heat at Miami. And then you're at the New York Knicks. It's a very tough week for the Detroit Pistons. But, again, you know, they're only two games out of the eighth spot. Uh, they need to they need to just they need to keep it up. They need to string some together, start getting a little bit closer to that 500 mark, and I can see this team getting into the playoffs. Uh, we need we definitely need more performance out of Jason Maxiel and Ben Gordon. I think Ben Gordon has been a huge disappointment uh, this season so far. Um, just he's really not been living up to a five year, 55 million dollar contract. Uh, not at all. He needs to play a lot better. Uh, obviously, Rip Hamilton. What can you say? The guy's still been benched. Hasn't played since January 10th. And that's actually something I want to get into real fast before we move on to the Tigers. Um, basically, Hamilton uh, told the Free Press on Sunday, this is an article out of the Detroit Free Press, that uh, Kuster attempted to reach out to him uh, to talk to him. But Kuster didn't do that himself. He basically asked Jerry Hendon, who was the team's security head, uh, to come and talk to him uh, you know, before uh, Saturday's game with Phoenix because Kuster wanted to talk to Rip. But he didn't go to Rip himself and say, let's talk. And Hamilton says, quote, I felt offended that he'd sent Jerry instead of coming himself or sending an assistant coach. I could tell Jerry was uncomfortable, and I said no. This is, we talked about this. When that trade fell through, if, if that happened, which it did, this was going to be a toxic situation. And it's as toxic as it gets. You have, it's like two children going at it. It's It's brutal. Uh, you know, I, I, it's it's really bad. Hamilton and Custer are like two siblings just fighting, and no one's going to compromise. It's it's ridiculous to think that it's gotten this bad. Hamilton looks bad. Custer looks bad. They both do. Hamilton looks like a pouting child, and Custer just looks like he has no control. That he just, he, you know, he always he looks like such a dope on the sidelines anyhow half the time. I can understand why this team doesn't respect him as much. Um, he has gotten some respect. He, you know, he's not squabbling with Tayshawn anymore or Rodney Stuckey. But this Hamilton thing has just gotten out of hand. Uh, the, the trade deadline for the NBA is February 24th. Uh, hopefully something can maybe get worked out by then. But I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I mean, Megan, you got any insight to this Hamilton Custer fiasco? It's it's just it's so it's just uh, real fast. It's just so sad that after nine fantastic seasons with this team, this is the way Hamilton is going to leave this franchise. And you know what? I'm not going to forget all the good he did for us, but I think for a lot of the fans that maybe hadn't been as much into the Pistons or saw him play as much, they're going to think he's just a whining little child. And it's just, I think it's unfortunate the way we will eventually you know, part ways. I don't know. I feel like everything with the Pistons moves so slow. Uh -huh. like ownership. How, we've been talking about that since August. And that's... Oh. Well, yeah, Tom Gores is still in a 30-day negotiation period with uh, Karen Davidson. So hopefully they can work something out. And it's not even just that, like the whole Rip Hamilton thing, too. Um, I mean, that I feel like is going to drag out, too. And it's just everything with the Pistons is so slow. And I feel like it's because they're not up to the potential they used to be. Not like the potential, but how they used to be. So it's like, oh, we don't have to worry about them. It's rebuilding year, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then... Yeah, that, that to a degree. And also, I mean, mm -hmm. yet Hamilton's got a big contract. He's got two years left on his contract worth about $25 million. It's not cheap for any team to take on, uh, not to mention with the possible lockout of next season also adds all kinds of problems. This team, like you said, it's up 
for sale still. Uh, there are so many question marks and so many problems going on with trying to sell this team and trying to you know move players. Uh, I was very disappointed to see that trade fall through, and I don't blame Prokhorov for a second. Uh, again, this is something that needs to be worked out in you know arbitration with the CBA and uh, all the players and the owners because I'm getting I'm fed up with all these players in the NBA being prima donna divas, saying deciding where they want to go and who they want to play for, and this money and that money. I'm sick of it. We said it last week. I feel like the players are running the asylum these days in the NBA, and I'm fed up with it. LeBron. <laughs> yeah, LeBron, Bosh. Well, not Wade. I'm not going to lump Wade into that. But, you know, LeBron, yeah. Take my talent to South Beach. Yeah. Oh, I could either come back to the Cavs or I could move to the Heat, but I'm going to leave you guys in the dust. Oh, yeah. Very Real time. fast, for all you Spartan fans out there, I forgot to say this earlier. Tom Izzo can at least say he has more wins than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, the Cleveland Cavaliers have eight wins. And good thing you turned that job down, Tom, because <laughs> that's a mess over there in Cleveland. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think a you know college basketball team that's only played you know 19 games has more wins than an NBA team that's been playing about 45 games. But uh, moving on to the Tigers, white right fast, uh, Armand, Armando Galarraga, uh, who obviously we all remember from that botched perfect game last year, has been traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks today for two pitching prospects. Um, the Tigers acquired right-hander Kevin Ihorn and left-hander reliever Ryan Roboski. Uh, Galarraga, uh, basically, you know, I, always, I was always happy with Galarraga here. Uh, you know, he never was a fantastic pitcher, but I always loved his attitude. I think he always really uh, loved this organization. I always really respected it. And uh, Dombrowski uh, talked to Armando today. He said, quote, I talked to Armando earlier today and thanked him, and he was very thankful for everything from the organization. He said he realized it was a business, and he understood greatly. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, Galarraga was good. None of us will ever forget that uh, June 2nd game. Uh, in our eyes, obviously, you had a perfect game. And I just want to congratulate you for your time with the team. I always, like I said, I enjoyed it. But it is a business. And uh, they believe Brad Penny, who is now the fifth starter in the rotation, is, you know, he's good for the job. Uh, the rotations are going to be Verlander, Scherzer, uh, Porcello, Phil Coke, Brad Penny. Uh, we will definitely be talking some more baseball in the upcoming weeks because baseball really is getting here soon. Uh, it's coming here real soon. I can't believe it. I feel like we just stopped talking about this. I know. I'm excited. I'm so excited for the, uh, baseball to start off. Oh, me too. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but let's see. we got about four minutes left. Hang on real quick. Oh, yeah, go. They're quick. retiring Sparky's number. That's right. Um, you know, he, he died back in November. And I the reason, I don't know, I was reading this article. He had problems with Illich and everything. And then mm -hmm. now they finally decided they're going to retire his number I, pretty soon. Yes. Pretty soon. Um, uh, basically, they'll do it probably um, come opening, you know, like our first opening game, you know, roughly around there, I would say. They might even they might do it sooner, I would, but they're going to have some kind of celebration. Okay. Um, it is it's unfortunate. Illich basically uh, blackballed him. Uh, you know, they had problems going back to 95 when uh, basically uh, um, uh, Sparky Anderson did not want to use uh, reserve players uh, during the lockout. They really got into it, and they just – you know, no one he no one could get past Illich. Illich obviously owns the team. He's the, he's the head honcho, and uh, he didn't want to he didn't want to cave. Uh, you know, we talked about it earlier. I, it's very unfortunate that he could not have gotten this number retired while he was alive and could have seen it. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a sad event rather than a very joyous event. Come uh, come the time they actually retire his number. That's what a lot of columnists are saying right now. Yeah, it's just sad. It is unfortunate. Uh, Sparky was you know one of the you know greatest not only uh, you know managers uh, for the Tigers but one of the greatest people the Tigers already organization has probably ever seen mm -hmm. and uh you know it's just and it's good they finally are doing it at least but uh let's move on to the facts we got three minutes these facts are about history just history in general all right so the shortest war in history was between zanzibar and england in 1896 zanzibar surrendered after 38 minutes hmm. <laughs> good for him it's like a tv show Wave the white flag. yeah i mean <laughs> not a chance zanzibar uh, let's see. There have been close to 200 coups and counter coups in the country of Bolivia. It's just a problem over there. Jeez. Coup after coup. I like saying coup. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. The next one. This is a good one. All right. There was a time in Japan where a wife being left-handed was a, was grounds for a divorce. What? Oh my gosh. That's those things go, they do over in Asia. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Um, Wow. What, why would you even, I guess, you know, yes, you married a left-handed woman, so you had that option to divorce her eventually. I don't know. Well, if you knew she was, why would you marry her? 
I don't. That's just screwed up. Whatever. All right. There was an army general during the Liberia Civil War who used to lead his army into battle naked. His <laughs> nickname was General Butt Naked. Which sounds about right. Uh, Joshua Milton uh, Blahi uh, is now an evangelical preacher in Monrovia. I don't know how you could fight naked. That just seems like a th- <laughs> where where's your, how, where are you putting your gun on and your sword and just I don't running around. I don't get it. Free. Maybe they super glued it to themselves. Oh God. But we're gonna move on. That's that. That's kind of weird. All right, this is another good one. To be born on Sunday was considered a sign of great sin during the Puritan times. Hmm. That's uh, okay. not good to be born on Sunday back then. I wonder, what, like, what did they do to the kids? Were you just, like, an outcast? <laughs> right. Like, uh, again, just crazies. Whatever. Crazy times. All right, two objects have struck the earth with enough force to destroy a whole city. Each object, one in 1908 and again in 1947, struck regions of Siberia. Not one human being was hurt either time, though. Good. Thank God it hit sub- Siberia. <laughs> I mean, Nothing's just there. Well, yeah, just a big <laughs> desert. Like, great. Oop, go to Siberia. All right, Wasteland. All right. Ukrainian monk Dionysus Exodus created the modern day Christian calendar. Hmm. Had to say that to rep the Ukrainians. All right. Vikings, after killing their enemies, used their skulls as drinking vessels. Oh, that's disgusting. I wonder if they cleaned them out at all. I hope so. They probably didn't. Oh, God. Well, that seems like a lot of work, though. I think it's just a mug would be a lot easier to use. <laughs> Uh, let's see. When Black Jack Ketchum was hung back in 1901 in Clayton, New Mexico, the noose actually ended up taking his head off. The head had to be sewn back on so Black Jack could be buried properly. That's a bad hanging. <laughs> all right. When Saigon fell in the Vietnam War, the signal for all Americans to evacuate was Bing Crosby's White Christmas being played on the radio. <laughs> I'm sorry that the Army completely ruined that song for all of you veterans out there. What? But um, uh, this is the end of our show. I really appreciate all of the listeners tuning in. Definitely tune in next week for uh, a whole Super Bowl preview. And uh, as usual, a lot. A lot to just always get to. Uh, for the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name's Dave Rinku. And I'm Megan. And you guys have a great night. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89 FM. An exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM.